Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. Good morning, River Valley. Hey, that's a great way to start a worship service. Amen? Yeah. You guys go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. Welcome. If you are a guest with us, we are so thankful that you are here. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 today as we continue a series talked about handle with care, different relationships in our lives that we need to be especially thoughtful about and how that we operate within them. And so I want to tar- uh, start today and I want to give you a testimony. So next couple of minutes, I'm just going to tell you a story about uh, my life. Uh, in uh, 2021, went on a study break, and I had a very specific plan in mind. Uh, this is what I'm going to study. This is what I want God to teach me. This is what I'm going to learn. I got my books, got my, all of these things. And uh, God was having none of that. Instead, God began to talk to me, and God began to talk to me specifically. And the Bible says uh, in John 15 that the Holy Spirit, when He's given to you, He will show you what is to come. In other words, God gives you vision in your life. We don't think of vision. We don't come up with it on our own. God shows us the future, and He shows us what we would be working towards. And God did that in my life. And so I came back, uh, if you'll remember, the, the end of the summer that year, and I said, God has spoken to me, and we are to be intentionally multi-ethnic. And I don't know what that means exactly, but that's what God told me. And so over the next few months, I began to study that and look at that. And uh, this verse has really spoken to me in my life. And so this is Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. This is a picture of heaven. John looking into heaven, he says, I looked, and there was a vast multitude of every nation, every tribe, every people, and every language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes uh, with palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, and they said, Salvation belongs to our God, and who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And so this picture of heaven you see in there, all of these different people groups, all of these different cultures, all of these different skins, and all over the world that have come together in front of the, heaven, of the throne of heaven, and they are worshiping Jesus. And so our vision for being intentionally multi-ethnic is let's not wait for heaven, let's bring that look here on Sunday morning. Let's, let's make sure that every single person within our community, every single tribe, every single nation that God brings to our doorstep, that they are welcome, and that they get to see the salvation that belongs only to Jesus Christ. And so we began to talk about that, and in January 2022, I did a sermon series on that. We began to talk about that, and, and it was going very, very well until I came up to this moment in preaching the Bible. Now, here's the deal. I preach through texts. I, I preach through books of the Bible. The reason is some of you will come up to me from time to time and go, boy, that was really bold that you said that. The reason I preach through books of the Bible is I'm a big chicken. I, I'm scared to death to say uh, uh, some things to you. Like if it was up to me, every sermon series would be, everything is great and it's only getting better. That would be every sermon series. But instead, I just go through books because it challenges me to preach on different subjects from time to time. Well, I ran across one of these right as we were getting started in being intentionally multi-ethnic. And the verse was, was a, a carbon copy of what I'm going to do today, which says, uh, slaves, obey your masters. And I thought, oh my goodness, 
how is a, a guest who is here going to, a person of color going to take this being said by a white person? It, it, how, how am I going to be able to explain the Bible, which is the authority, and make sure that culturally we don't get lost in this moment? It was very, very tense for me. Uh, and, and it was that one of those moments where, where I had to be faithful to what God was telling us and to the Bible. And so I, I had a focus group and I said, if anyone who's a person of color in our church, I would like you to come and basically help me to preach this text because I want to be faithful to the word of God, but I also want to be sensitive in how it might be heard differently from different cultures. And so we had this wonderful uh, focus night. It was fantastic. I loved it. But at the end of that night, I'll never forget a moment that happened. I asked the men in this group, I said, would you please pray for me? And I sat down in a chair and they put their hands on me and they, they, they went around and they, and they prayed for me. And, and one prayer in particular God really used in my life. And, and, and this man prayed, he said, God, you've given our pastor a vision to be intentionally multi-ethnic. God, tell him to open his eyes because it's happening. And I was surrounded by these wonderful, godly men who were praying over me, who were recent additions to our church. And I was so thankful for that moment. And I was so thankful for what God is doing. And guys, I just want to give you a testimony today. I'm proud of us. I'm proud of who we are, that we want to be a church that is intentionally multi-ethnic, that we want to be able to look at every single person that we come in contact with during the week in Bastrop and Cedar Creek and say, you have a place at River Valley. You might not look like me, but we all are dressed in white robes and Jesus has changed us and set us free and salvation belongs to the Lamb. And we want you to know this great God that we serve. Amen? I'm so proud of us for doing that. Guys, we're doing an awesome, awesome job in a day where, where we have division because of that, because of, of, of so many racial issues. We as a church stand strong and are together, and I'm so thankful for what that is. So I want to remind you as we go into this passage of scriptures of one rule that we have to have to, in order to be intentionally multi-ethnic. Here's the rule. I'm only saying what I'm saying. And the Bible is only saying what it's saying. This is the way we get in trouble in our day. So I'll say something, and maybe you've heard someone else say that, especially like maybe a politician. So I say it because it's in the Word of God, and maybe you've heard a politician say something similar. But you've heard the same politician say this and this over here. So you're like, well, if Cody said that, and he said that, and he said these over here, Cody must believe these things. And we get in all kinds of trouble there. I'm only saying what I'm saying. And the reason that's important in our verse today is because think of what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 5, it says, slaves obey your masters. That seems that the Bible, if you, if you take that kind of, well, this and this and this approach, it seems like the Bible is, is advocating for slavery. And that's not true. That's not what's happening in this text. This text is, imagine if you were a slave during this day. And the Bible went into this huge long treatise about how we are against slavery and how you ought not to own another person that is a child of God and all of the, the ways that we think about this, this issue. If you would have read that in that day, you'd have been like, that's great, but that didn't help me at all. 
that, 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 I'm glad you're against it, but that doesn't help me live right now. The Bible is telling us even in tough situations like this, you can thrive and you can uh, actually, uh, God can actually do something in this moment, even in difficult situations. The Bible is not advocating for slavery in this text, but it is understanding that many times we're going to find ourselves, even if you're a believer, in tough moments. In tough times. And the Bible has a word for you in those moments. Now, what's amazing about this text is that it is different than what we think of in slavery in like pre-Civil War America. There certainly was that kind of slavery in the ancient Near East, but the majority of the slavery was much more like an indentured servant, someone who would, who would need help from someone. And usually they would give themselves to them for seven years and they would work for them. They would get room and board, but at the end, maybe they would get land or freedom or, or citizenship within a country. And so the Bible is speaking to that issue today, that this idea of I need help, so I'm working for someone. So the, the application for you and I is, is our work relationship, is how we do our jobs, whether we are our bosses is going to address or, or we are workers, that, that we have to have, we have to handle with care this relationship. So Ephesians 6 verse 5 says, slaves, obey your masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as you would Christ. So the first uh, text talks about authority, authority. God has placed authority in all of our lives. You and I are under authority. Even if you're the boss, you have a government authority or you, you have someone that is in charge. There's authority that is placed on our lives. And the Bible says, Daniel chapter 4 verse 17 says, God is sovereign over the nations and he rules them and he puts them in whoever's hands he wants. Even the lowliest person can rule them. In other words, who's in charge right now? Whoever God wants. Who's going to win the next election? Whoever God wants. Who is your boss? Whoever God wants. Who is your teacher? Whoever God wants. Now, even in this text, again, he's only saying what he's saying. He's not saying your boss or your teacher is always right and good in those situations. Uh, that's not what he's saying. In fact, in this text, you've got Nebuchadnezzar who put up a statue and made people worship. And when they didn't, uh, he threw them in the fire. And then Belshazzar uh, threw Daniel in the lion's den. These are not good men. They're not doing a good job, but God wants them authority in their life for a very specific reason. One of the things that God wants to teach you in authority is that if you ever want to be a good leader, you have to learn how to be a good follower. You have to learn how to be a good follower. If you can't follow well, you will not be a good leader, period, period. If you think, well, as soon as I'm in charge, things are going to change, but, but you're antagonistic to your boss, you never listen, or you do it to their face, but not uh, when they're not there, you've got to learn to be a follower of people so that you can be a good leader. Years ago, I had somebody come up to me in the church. And uh, I used to have a great test that we no longer have. We used to be uh, meeting a school for eight and a half years. So long before we had a building, we had, a, we had school. And so we had to set up every Sunday morning at seven o'clock in the morning. And then we'd have to tear down in the afternoon. And it was hot a lot of times. And, and so somebody'd say, uh, this guy came up to me and said, I want to be a leader. I want to be a Christian leader. I was like, great. Do you know how to set up chairs? I mean, because that's, that's the fastest way to leadership at River Valley. And and uh, you, you know, like, it, I mean, it's really hard. 
This is all. You, you know, this is it. Well, can you do that? And I, can't, I honestly, I can't remember if he did it once or not at all. But I know at the end of that, uh, he came up to me and he was like, hey, I just set up chairs last week and I really want to be a leader. What he was basically saying was, can you make pe- I want to be the boss of some people. Can you find some people who will be, I can boss around in, in, you know, in the name of Jesus. And so, and so, right? And, and I said, no, absolutely not. I said, if, if you don't know how to be a good follower, you won't be a good leader. And he's like, well, this isn't for me. And he left. What was so interesting was that at that time, uh, setting up chairs, we had multiple CEOs of companies setting up chairs. I mean, I'm talking about world-class leaders. I'm talking about great men of God. And they were setting up chairs. And they, they showed so much of their character. And they've been so used in the kingdom of God and in this church because they first were willing to set up chairs. God has placed authority in your life. And so you've got to learn. Now, we don't obey them outside of the rules of God, but I don't know of many instances where, where uh, not near as many instances of bosses are asking their, their employees to do something illegal. It's just they're asking them to do stuff they don't want to do. No, no, no. We've got to learn to submit in that authority. It's, it's the beginning point. Now let's look. Number two, let's look at the audience. Who are you working for in Christianity? If you are uh, in the workforce, but you are a Christian. Ephesians 6, 6 says, don't work only by being watched as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart. Don't work only by being watched. Are you a people pleaser or a God honorer? That's, that's what God is asking in this text. Who's the audience, in other words? Have you ever had the type of job where if you were doing anything outside of like, like just strict focus, when the boss came, you had to act busy? Have you ever had that kind of job? You know, you hear them coming down the hall and you're, you're talking. And so this, it really didn't happen at River Valley. We want to develop culture. If you're a bad worker, we're going to deal with you individually. We're not going to make a rule for the whole thing. So, so if I walk up and some people are talking about football, I don't want them to start, stop talking about football just because I walk by. The reason is, is I want to talk about football with them. So we're going to have that. So, but You've, there's all our, in all of our lives, there's an audience that we have to be very, very careful of. We're being watched. Even if the boss isn't there to watch us, we're being watched. So we've got to learn to live our life for an audience of one. An audience of one. This room is such a great illustration of this. Because this is the stage. And if you're not careful, you can think, well, these are the people that do the music, that do the worship. These are the people that do the worship. And this is the person that opens the Word of God. And out here, you are the people who hear the music and listen to the Word of God. So there's a huge difference, if you think incorrectly, of the stage and the audience. And that's not the way it should be. This entire room is the stage. There is an audience of one in heaven. We have to think of what we do is not let them sing for us. We worship God. What we do is not let me tell you what the Word of God says, but you open and you examine and you listen for what God would say to you in the text and how He would want to mold or change you in your thinking so that there is truly, truly an audience in this place, but none of us in here are a part of it. He is sovereign. So an audience of one. Number three, the Bible tells us to watch our attitude. 
attitude. So the audience is our actions and how we work. Our attitude is the way that we think about those. So Ephesians 6, 7 says this, um, serve with a good attitude as to the Lord and not people. Serve with a good attitude. Make sure that you don't just do the right things, that you do them the right way. Because God doesn't, God sees you not just on the outside and you're working. God sees you on the inside, what you're thinking and what you're feeling about the things that he has asked you and called you to. So we've got to watch our attitude. Uh, I actually talked to uh, one of our pilots in the church this morning about this illustration. It's true. Uh, made sure I was telling it correctly. So this is an attitude indicator on, on a flight deck, on, on a panel. And an attitude indicator is important because as you are flying, your attitude is the relation of your plane to the earth below. So, so you can have an ad, a nose up attitude, you can have a nose down. This is a, a, a horizontal attitude. In other words, you're flying level. This is really important because if you think about it, if you're flying in low visibility, if you're flying in clouds, then it's very possible for you to be getting closer and closer to the earth, but because you can't see it, to not know it. So you have to use your attitude indicator to make sure that that's not happening. He said, uh, he said uh, uh, this, this man's a fantastic pilot, and he said there are lots of times that he has to do what he called a category two landing where, where he comes in and the clouds, sometimes he's done it where clouds don't break until 50 feet off of the ground. It's really important that you you know where the ground is when you're traveling 160 miles an hour and you've got 50 feet between you and the runway. You've got to watch that attitude. You can't watch the ground. You watch the attitude indicator. We all need that in our life, don't we? We need to know that, hey, there are tough times and there are tough seasons in our lives, but your attitude makes all the difference. So the plane can change its attitude and it changes its performance in the way it operates. So can you as well. You can change your performance, how? By changing your attitude. We've all seen people who've gone through tremendously hard, difficult seasons of their life, but they have served Christ well. They have smiled. They don't like what's happened to them, but they choose their attitude. This was one of the greatest lessons I wanted to impart to my children growing up. So we had this all the time. You choose your attitude. I bet you my kids have heard me say that 10,000 times. They'd come home and gripe about this kid or that teacher or this homework. And I'll say, who chooses your attitude? And they would look at me and they'd go, me. And I'd be like, all right, well, okay. Yeah, you know, well, you better choose a different attitude. And so, so I drilled it all the time into them. It's so important that you choose your attitude. Well, one time that didn't work so well for me. So I had a bad day at work and I came home and I was griping about you. And so, right? So, so let's see, all right? So those people at River Valley, I can't even remember. Oh, right, 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 right. Griping about River Valley and this and that. And they want this or they want that. I don't, I don't remember the circumstances. And my six-year-old son looks at me and goes, dad, who chooses our attitude? Well, you shut up, all right? That's, a, that's just a sermon, okay? This is real life, all right? <laughs> and, and he was right. He was absolutely right. Man, we all have those moments where we, I, I get it. Like, this isn't nullifying that you might be in a bad situation. I'm not just trying to be like, don't worry, be happy. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying this is good. I'm not saying that God wants this for you if, if it's being perpetuated on you. But it's, it truly is, it's not near as much what happens to you as how you focus during this time. You can change your attitude. 
You can change your performance in the situation by changing your attitude. You and I, we pick it. Now, why is this so important? Number four is reward. Reward. Ephesians 6, uh, where are we at? 8. Ephesians 6, 8 says, knowing that whatever good each one has done, slave or free, then what happens? They'll receive this back from the Lord. There is a reward for the way that we act. There's a reward for the way that we think with our attitude. And we have to be careful in that. Now, what's cool about reward in this text is that it's talking about two different ways. So rewards are both earthly and eternal. Earthly and eternal. There's an earthly reward that he will give back to you as you are faithful. There's an eternal reward. So let me show you what the earthly reward is. Uh, Luke chapter 16 says, whoever is faithful in very little will also be faithful in much. Whoever is unrighteous in very little will also be unrighteous in very much. My guess is God hasn't given you everything that he wants to give you yet. But you've got to learn to be faithful here and now before he can trust you with more. Think about that. I mean, you're just like, well, I'm a terrible employee, but I'd be a great boss. No, absolutely not. Because you can't even run your own life. And now as the boss, you think you're going to be good at at helping others where others are dependent on you if you're not even doing it for yourself. You've got to be faithful right where you are, even in tough situations. Even in unfair circumstances, learn to be faithful in this moment. It's okay to say, God, I don't like this. Totally okay. God, I don't like this circumstances. I don't like what's happening to me. I don't like what what has been put upon me. But I will be faithful in this moment in doing my very best. And then the Bible says he can give you more. He's He's going to grow you and train you in those seasons so that you can be trusted with more. That's our earthly reward. Now, our eternal reward is even better. Matthew chapter 6 says, uh, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But instead, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust seals or where thieves can't break in and destroy. So even if you, you are overlooked for the promotion, even if you've been faithful where you are, even if you didn't get the raise, even if you didn't get to become the boss, those things happen. But the Bible is very clear that we can earn eternal rewards that will never be taken from us, that will never be uh, stolen, that will never be eaten up, that will never go away, that are always there. So literally, every situation you are in is a moment where you can earn eternal rewards. Every single one. Now, we're talking about on the, on the job today. But you, you can have spiritual rewards by going into your work with what God is teaching us today and doing good work and being faithful and treating your boss well with an attitude. You can earn those rewards in heaven every single situation you are in. We can, I, I forget that. I forget that. See, it's not just my job here at River Valley. It's how I treat my wife. How I think of my neighbors, how I treat my parents. It's not just when they are young, it's when you're old as well. How you treat and honor your parents. Every single situation that God speaks into, when we do it God's way, there are literally rewards. 
He, and this should encourage us because there's not better rewards for the bosses of the world. There's not better rewards for the rich of the world. It's available to every single one of us where we are. So you don't have to try to get a better situation so you can get rewards that are available to you right where you are right now. The last is God's going to, or the, the, the text is going to flip. So instead of talking about workers, it's going to talk about bosses. So let's talk about leadership for a second. Leadership. If you, if you want to be a leader, uh, this is the passage for you. If you are a leader, then, then this is for sure how you ought to think of your leadership. If you have employees, if you, uh, e- even if you don't, you're not the CEO, but you have people that work for you, make sure that you understand. So this is what he says. And masters, um, treat your slaves with the same, uh, in the same way without threatening them because you know what? They're both the master and yours is in heaven and there is no favoritism with them. The Bible says, be careful when you are a leader, how you treat people, because those are God's kids. Those are God's kids. Treat God's children well. Treat them with respect and honor. If, you, if someone works for you, make sure that you understand that you are treating God's kids that way. We are ferociously diligent in protection of our children, so is Jesus. Those are God's kids. Make sure in leadership. And then he warns us how we can get in trouble. And we've all done this in leadership. Um, he's going to warn us next week of the same thing. He's going to say, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't, don't, you know, like lose control. He says the same thing in this text. Don't threaten them. Don't threaten them. See, the, the easiest way that we get in trouble in leadership is when times are tough, when things aren't going well, man, we tend to just kind of lash out at our employees, at lash out at those around us, because we feel this pressure on us to, to get the product shipped, to get the thing done, to get the, the, the event, you know, accomplished. And so I'll just, I know what I'll do. I'll motivate them through yelling. And so that'll work. And so, because we can't get a certain amount of instant uh, attention from that, but the Bible says, be very careful. Don't threaten them. Don't, this is not the way that leadership is done effectively. Can you do leadership this way? Absolutely. Will you get a result? Yes. But this is the difference between position of leadership and true leadership, which is influence. Influence, where people want to listen to you, where people want to do what is the vision. You know what the greatest illustration is, is what we're reading here? Indentured slaves in the Bible would work seven years. And again, at the end, they might get a land, they might get freedom, they might get money, uh, they might get citizenship. And the Bible has this contingency in there. It says in Exodus 21, if at the end of seven years, why seven years? Because you can't hide for seven years. Right? You, you, know what that, you know what your boss is like at the end of seven years. Is he going to yell and threaten and, and bring a, just a, a culture of, of fear into the workplace? Or, or even when you know he's stressed out, man, he's doing his best to keep, uh, his, I keep saying he, maybe she, uh, right? And so so uh, to, to, to keep it right. And then all of a sudden the Bible says, if at the end of this time you look at them and say, you know what? I'm not leaving. I'm staying here forever. That you can say, not only will I serve you for the seven years, I'll serve you all the days of my life because you're a great boss. You're, you treat me well. You do right by me. And so the Bible says this should happen so often that it has to have how, it's, how it happens. That you've got to pledge yourself to this person because you know this is a person worth following. You want that 
from your employees. You want that from those people who work under you. You want that from people around you to say, you know what? I hope I never leave. I love you. I love working for you. I love the way you treat me. I love the way that you think of me and my family in these situations. And I want to pledge to you. Now, God calls people out from time to time for sure. But it ought to be when people are called out that they're like, oh, I don't want to leave. I love that place. I love those people. I love that job. I love my boss. Be careful in how you treat God's children. These are the children of God. In the same way, Jesus, remember, on the night that he was going to be, on the night before he was going to be crucified, when he had a get-together, he knelt down and he washed the disciples' feet. Even at the end of his days, when he was so overwhelmed with anxiety of the cross, Jesus was serving the disciples until the very end. All of them looked around and didn't know what to do or didn't want to do anything. And Jesus served his disciples well. And therefore, even after he was gone, 11 or 10 of the uh, 12 disciples went to their death for Jesus. They said, this is someone worthy of giving my whole life to. You and I do well when we emulate that in leadership. So here's what we're going to do today as we close out. I'm going to invite you for just a few minutes to let the Word of God speak to you. So I'm going to invite us to pray right where we are today. And we're going to pray through this text and see if God highlights some things in our life and in our thinking. Because here's the reality of today's uh, sermon. I don't think there was a lot in the sermon today that you were like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about attitude, how important that is. That, that probably isn't the truth. But just because it's easy to understand doesn't mean that we always do it. And so the God, God is going to reintroduce these standards of excellence in following his word today. So let's just, let's just spend a little bit of time as we bow our heads. We're just going to think through, okay, what does this text have to do with me? And I want, I want to invite you to start out just like we started out this morning. Revelation 7, 9. This is what heaven looks like. Uh, John was actually given a glimpse into heaven. And he said, every tribe, every people, every language, every nation was represented around the throne. The similarity was not what they spoke. The similarity was not their skin color. The similarity was not their culture. The similarity was that they were all wearing robes of white given to them by Jesus. And they said, salvation belongs to our Lord. At River Valley, we, we believe in the Word of God. That's going to happen, but we can see that happen here on earth. We can see Sunday morning looking like heaven. So I want you to pray for us to be intentionally multi-ethnic. That literally there's not a, a people group represented in our town who isn't welcome at River Valley, but also finds people like them. It's one of the very first things I learned when we started to go intentionally multi-ethnic was that people who walk in the door and they want to see people that look like them. And we want to see that more and more, just like heaven. Next, we ought to submit to the authorities in our lives. I want you to pray for those who are in authority over you. If you have a boss, pray for them. 
if, if they're middle management and you have a boss man, pray for them. Pray for the CEO of your company. Listen, the higher up in leadership you go, the, the bigger the pressure is. That person is under a lot of pressure. More than you, you know or imagine. They shield you from a lot of it. Pray for them. Pray for grace and mercy. Pray for, you know, wide shoulders because they, they do bear a lot of responsibility. It's hard to be the leader. It's hard to be the owner of a business. Pray for God's grace in their life. Acknowledge that God has put them in your life to teach you some lessons. You might not be there forever. You might get to be the boss one day. But until then, you are to submit to them as unto the Lord. That's what the Bible says. And we're to do that when our audience isn't just that our boss is watching. We are to do that as unto the Lord. Don't just be a people pleaser. Be a God honorer in your job. Today, ask God, like, are there areas of my life where I'm not honoring my, my job, the, the, the workplace, my boss, my, my fellow employees? Or I'm just being a people pleaser. Then ask God, God, help me to, with my attitude. Especially if you're in a, a difficult moment right now. That certainly applies to your job. If you, you've got a tough boss or, you know, y'all are in a, a, a tough t season as a, as a company. Um, and pray for God's grace in that. But in whatever bad situation, examine your attitude. It's part of the reason that you're not, that you're floundering instead of flourishing. Is the part of the reason the way you think about this. God, help me to to change my attitude. Guys, don't ever forget in this. We're Americans. We're Texans. God has blessed us greatly. Half of the world lives on less than $2 a day. We ought not to feel guilty about that. That's not why God placed us here. But so many times we gripe about what we don't have in our job and we don't have the house or the car or the thing man God thank you so much for what I have it's overwhelmingly generous thank you help me to have that attitude God help me to earn a reward here on earth to be faithful and little so that I can be given more responsibility in the days to come it's okay to aspire to leadership. Even in, even in ministry, the Bible says, if anyone aspires to be a pastor, it's okay. But the, the prerequisites of that are faithful in little. Faithful right where you are. And that even when no one is watching, you can be earning eternal rewards in how you treat people, how you talk, how you act, what you do right now. God, help me to be a reward earner in heaven. Finally, if you are in charge of people, if you have some authority in your life, 
Picture those, those people that you lead in your mind. Those are God's kids. The Bible says he shows no favoritism. In other words, he really loves them. He doesn't have favorite kids. You're his favorite kid. And they're his favorite kid. God, help me if, if I've gotten brusque, uh, if I've gotten, I'm, I'm stressed out. Help me if I've threatened, you know, bringing in a, a, a you know, just a, an environment. We, as leaders, we create the culture. We ought to create one that says, hey, it's a tough time if it is, but we're not going to use that to be threatening, be over, you know, uh, overpowering in our position. You want the kind of job that people want to stay forever. Or be the kind of boss. Father, the way that we work is important to you. That's why you're addressing it today. Father, and I thank you that you have given us the jobs that we have and the places that we have. God, I pray for the influence that we have in those places. That we would not view this as the spiritual part and then go out to, you know, the work. And that's the, that's the secular part. No, God, that's where you're sending us to bring the Spirit of God into that place. Help us to be faithful in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.